What's going on, everybody? This is Troy Pryor, creator of Creative Cypher and host of the Cypher Live podcast, where we interview thought leaders and creative entrepreneurs. And today we have Joshua Bruce in the building. He's an L.A.-based producer, writer, and actor with a dozen projects under his belt as a working actor. Josh hones his craft under the Ben Davis uh, program at Practicum in Hollywood. And in addition to internationally renowned coach Jonathan Goldstein, in 2021, uh, Josh and Roberto J co-wrote the script Inseparable, uh, which has already gone on to do some amazing things. Q finalist, Chicago Screenplay Award. So just an amazing opportunity to have this talented brother on the show. Josh, thank you for joining us. Yo, thank you for having me, Troy. Appreciate the intro, man. <laughs> thank you, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, man. It's always great to have uh, inspiring creators on. And, you know, we like to kick things off with, uh, you know, where things start and then we'll get into your current project, man. What inspired you to get into the industry? Man, you know, I saw this movie called Inception, right? And I had seen the movie so many times before, but for some reason, when I was 18 and I saw it, it just hit me differently. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was Leo's performance. I don't know if it was the music in the background by Hans Zimmer. Shout out to him. But when I saw that movie, when I saw the final scene, when the movie was over, I said to myself, I want to be an actor. Like, I want to be an actor. Then I thought about it. This was senior year in high school, by the way. My senior year going into 20. 13, sorry, because I graduated in 2013, the idea just grew and grew and grew and grew. I was like, dude, this idea is not going away. Because, you know, usually back then I had a lot of ideas and they would just like go away. And then I was like, dude, I want to be an actor. So when it was time to register for classes in my, in my university, believe it or not, that it was an acting class for non-majors. And it was, but it was full. So I couldn't sign up. So I said, okay, I guess, you know, I, I, I won't be able to do it. But then I checked, like, literally a month before school started, there was one open seat. I dropped another class, and I got into the acting for non-majors, and it's just been constant. And, and I never looked back after that. Never looked back. Started training yearly. Never took, never, never took a break from training. Started getting involved with projects in the school. Did a couple, did a one-act play, and uh, did a couple films, some student films while I was in school, and it just kept going and going and going, man. But that, yeah, that's how I got started. Awesome, man. I love the fact that you brought up Inception. I love that film. Man, that's a film where you have to take your time. I felt tired after watching it, but I remember, so my initials are T-O-P, top. So I remember the spinning top yes. film, and I'm like, yo, I like that. I like that moment. I want to use that in a a logo, and I use that in a, a, a motion graphic um, at some point in time. But we all have these inspirations, right? We all have something that we've seen, heard, or been a part of that's inspired us to move forward. And I think it's pretty dope that you looked at Inception as as a way. And shout out to Hans Zimmerman with the with the dope music. Uh, I, I've just put that music on my playlist sometimes, and I just feel pumped when I'm driving in the car. I, I all of a sudden turn into Batman in the Batmobile. <laughs> Oh man, I there was a point in time, dude, where I was listening to nothing but Hans Zimmer. Mm -hmm. His Inception, uh, his Inception um, score, his Dark Knight score, his Dark Knight Rises score. He has so many great scores, man. And I think you know, I'm, I like Leonardo DiCaprio as well. He's one of the greatest actors of my generation. Well, I don't know if he's my generation, my mom's generation, but um, but um, 
I've been watching him for so long and just seeing him in that role in that mu- in the in the in that movie and the music playing in the background just it just sparked in my head like and it felt like a it felt like a spiritual calling. You know what I mean? Some people catch mm-hmm. the acting bug because they took an acting class in college randomly. You know, but for me, it was like I was watching a movie and something just came over me when I was watching that movie where I, where I decided I want to be an actor. And like I said before, the idea never left me. <laughs> and it still hasn't left me. So, so let's talk about that. So you were inspired to be an actor. Um, what was the inspiration to transition from in front of the camera to behind the camera? Oh, man. Um, in this industry, man, especially as a Black artist, no one's going to give you an opportunity. And the best thing you can do is to create your own opportunities. So that involves learning other skills like writing, directing, editing, cinematography, whatever that may be. But I got writing, which is I met Charles. And that's what, and the reason I got into writing was so I can write my own projects and not have to worry about like either waiting for someone to give me an opportunity or, uh, or waiting. And, you know, it's just, it just, I have more control. I can control my destiny a little bit more. So that's what made me want to go behind the camera. But in front of the camera is still my main priority, but I go behind the camera so I can create opportunities for myself and for other actors as well who are also looking for opportunities too. No, that's that is so that is such a powerful sentiment because not only is that aligned with what we're all about with creative ciphers, how do you empower um artists of specifically artists of color, but creative entrepreneurs? Because it's so hard sometimes to get the resources necessary to bring your project to life. And as a result of that, you could lose ownership of your project because you know someone else put some money up or you have to go ask for permission to do something. And so that could play a role in your, um, the, the ownership of your intellectual property. So that plays a huge role into what we try to push for. So the idea that you're transitioning from, or I should say adding on to your current acting career and now as a producer, it puts you in that role and also as, a, as a creative, um, as someone who owns the story and can control the narrative. Now, what does it feel like being in that position to now provide opportunities for others? Man, it feels great. I, I think great doesn't even describe it. It feels, it feels very, um, it, it feels holistic in a sense, if that's a word. I just, it just makes me feel good because, you know, you know how hard this industry is. I know how hard this industry is. All of my close friends, my roommate, he's also an actor. He knows how hard this industry is. And just being able to provide um, opportunities to other actors is amazing. I remember I have a really good friend named Roberto, who you just who you mentioned in the intro. And I mean, we were talking on the phone. This was in the early stages of me and Charles playing this project. And I'm like, Roberto, you know you're going to be in this, right? And he was like, well, it, he didn't assume. But he was like, wait, really? I was like, yeah, dude, like, I'm definitely bringing you on. Like, you're, you're going to be a part of this project. Like, I mean, come on, dude. You're, you're my really good friend. I, you're a really great actor. You've been doing this longer than me. Like, I'm definitely bringing you on this project. And he was really blessed and very happy about that. And I was surprised because I assumed that he already knew that he was going to be a part of the project. But I guess I had to actually say it 
for it to be confirmed or anything. And I just that just made me feel good. And listen, like I don't do this for you to like I did one for you, so you do for one for me. You know, I don't I don't do it like that, man. I genuinely like helping people without expecting anything in return. Uh, I know not a lot of people like that, especially in LA. It's kind of like a, you scratch my back, I scratch yours, you know. But I just I just like to help people, man. You know, and I don't even consider it helping. Like especially in Roberto sense, I don't consider it helping him. But I just I just wanted to bring him on because he's like he's like a brother to me. He's like my best friend. So that that felt really it feels really good to do that. You know, but and that's that's that communal essence that we preach at Creative Cipher, the ecosystem, a healthy ecosystem provides for one another and you don't necessarily have to do it because someone may pay you back or they owe you. And I, I love that, you know, the sentiment that you're not doing it because um, someone's done something for you or are you expecting something in return? That's just um, a healthy mindset to have. And that's the type of environment that you, you want to be around. You want to be around folks that, uh, understand your goal, understand your purpose, that are like-minded and uh, naturally fit into a flow. I look at what Adam Sandler's done with the group that he's all that he always works with. And it's like they've got a core group of people. You know, you can always find new talent. But ultimately, when you got your tribe and you all are building together, working together, then you know this works. So in your mind, you were like, Roberto, why would you not think you, you were, were going to be in this? And he's like, you know, probably being humble, not really wanting to assume. But the, but that's great that you have that core team that you can grow with. Because when we think about the journey, you cannot do this by yourself. It is impossible to wear every hat. But we also know as, as entrepreneurs, uh, and every film is like a startup, a lot of times you're wearing so many hats to get things done. So what does it feel like to have a strong support system and a team on this project coming up where you don't have to wear every hat, but you've got trusted individuals that can help build with you? Man, it feels it feels great to have that, man. Just have it like, I remember when I first met Charles back in 2018, he's my screenwriting teacher. And one of the first things he said in the class was build your tribe. And you have to build a tribe with like-minded people and people who also want to succeed in everything. And it's very easier said than done. Way much easier said than done because you know when you're in a group, dynamics might not fit together, personalities might not blend, so on and so forth. But as far as um, building a tribe goes, as far as being a part of this team, man, just having someone like Charles, you know, he's he's a lot more experienced than I am in, in making movies. He's made movies, he's made like feature films before. And then Roberto brought on a guy named Joseph Castleberry. He owns his own uh, production house, Illuminate Studios, one of the most talented cinematographers I know. And just having us all together, and Joseph's super committed to the project. He's like in it just as much as Charles, maybe even more than both of us combined, but it's like, just having that team and having that unity and having people who care, you know, because someone brought up best, man. When you move out here to LA, it's all about money. Everyone wants to be paid. And I, I get that. This is one of the most expensive cities in the world. People got to make rent. People got to pay bills. But when you go to places like Chicago, Atlanta, or even St. Louis, where I'm from, you can literally just get a group of people, go out and film stuff, and no one expects any type of payment. You know what I mean? 
So it's just like being a part of a tribe. It's funny how I had to move to LA because I lived in Chicago for a bit or right outside Chicago. I had to move to LA to find my tribe in Chicago, even though I just left there, you know? And that, that's just how life works like that, you know? But uh, yeah. Yeah, so what I hear you saying is there are professionals all over in all of the different markets, but um, it, it's easier to find folks willing to build with you uh, in the Midwest or Chicago, you know, um, because as pros, of course, everybody wants to be paid. Everybody wants to be compensated for their services, but there does seem to be a sense of camaraderie, camaraderie, and uh, an understanding that something is being crafted and built versus when you go to the coast a lot of time the expectation is that you're already there and you have everything in place so our yeah. expectation is that you're operating with a certain budget you have a certain resume already versus um we want to help you build and grow and so oftentimes what you'll find in mid-major markets are individuals that understand or I should say they can manage the expectations. They understand that this is a labor of love or this is a project that we're building and we can go from there. So that's a, a great thing to, to, um, to take note of. So what, what took you from St. Louis over to LA originally? Oh man. So here's the thing. So I, when I lived in St. Louis, um, you know, born and raised there for 18 years, shout out to my city, but, uh, but, and then I moved to Rockford, Illinois for a job. Cause I work a nine to five job. So I moved there and I started getting involved in the Chicago community when it came to acting, took writing classes at Chicago filmmakers, took acting classes at Artistic Home, trained with a couple of private teachers as well in Chicago. But, um, but that's what got me into the Chicago market. And I was a part of the Chicago market for three years, did a lot of student films, did, did some couple of like regular just short films. And then I had the opportunity to move to Los Angeles and because of a job. So I decided to, you know, now or never, I want to get out of the cold, no offense. But so I I took the opportunity to move to LA. And, you know, this here, I really was able to hold my craft even more, learn more about the industry, talking to people who are in the industry, you know? I've met people who I grew up watching and it's the weird talking to them and them telling me the real, uh, how, the, how the industry really works. And um, and just just that knowledge, and that was that knowledge that I wasn't going to get in Chicago, you know. Like my acting teacher, I don't know if you ever played Red Dead Redemption, but or Dead Redemption Two, but my acting teacher, he he did the motion capture and the voice for Dutch, and he's a main villain in the game. And it was just weird meeting. It was weird when I found out because it's like, dude, like. I, I, I used to play like alongside with you as a kid and now you're my acting teacher. And just, and this is just really quick. One lesson that I learned from him and he's gotten on me about this. He's like, Josh, I want you to view every actor that you see on TV as a future colleague. Don't get starstruck. Don't get awed or anything like that. At the end of the day, you got to view these people that you see on TV as future colleagues. Because he, cause he was like, you know, when you met me, you were like, oh, you're Dutch, yada, yada, yada. But so that was something I had to get used to. Being in Chicago, I don't think I would ever learn that because there's not a lot of um, like 
mid mid to level famous people in Chicago, if that makes sense. But it just it was just a lesson that I learned in LA that I wasn't gonna learn in Chicago. I probably would have learned it in Chicago, but it would have taken probably longer. But yeah, that's just a big yeah. That that so that's how I got to St. Louis to LA. Okay. Well, that's a yeah. good point, man, because um a lot of times we always say you gotta go to grow. And one of the things that you really hit on was that you moved to LA to build your Chicago tribe. And I've seen so many individuals um at various stages of their career audition, audition, audition for projects in Chicago, move to LA or Atlanta or New York, audition there and then get hired to come back to Chicago and work. So it is quite the phenomenon of um, of getting out to come back in. But ultimately, when we get out of our bubble, we grow. So there's an old phrase, sometimes you got to go to grow. And everybody yeah. that I've talked to that's from Chicago that has um, branched down to other markets have always said they want to bring a project back to Chicago. And we are a strong proponent of not feeling limited to where you have to move, but we want people to go to where the work is. We want you to go to where the opportunities are because that in turn helps build your career and gives you the opportunity to do the other things that you want to do anyway, which could potentially mean bringing a project back here. So, you know, we talked a bit about your personal journey and everything that you're working on, but we got to talk about the project before we wrap up, man. So what was the inspiration for this project and um, what what was the thought process around uh, going to Puerto Rico? No, so I approached Charles and I, I was just, I wasn't like desperate, but I really wanted to be in a feature film. I really wanted to be in something. So I approached Charles and said, hey man, I will hire you to write a feature film for me, for something for me to be in, particularly thriller horror, because that's what a lot of distribution companies are gonna pick up. This is after I did a lot of research and everything. And he, he was like, you know, Josh, I was in Puerto Rico and I was looking around thinking, yo, this would be a great place to film a movie. There's no police officers going around. Um, there's not a lot of tourists, like there's tourists, but there's places where there's not a lot of tourism. And he's like, I think it'd be cool to make something here. And then that was, it was Charles who mainly started and Charles started the outline. He sent me the, he, he pitched me the idea and I loved it. And I fell in love with it. And then we made it in the found, found footage because that because it was cheaper to make it that way. And a lot of iconic movies like Blair Witch Project, Diary of the Dead and whatnot are found footage, found footage films. So basically this is a movie about a young man. A year ago before the story starts, he goes on vacation with his wife to Vieques, an island in Puerto Rico. And while there, he sees that she was murdered by a monster or a perceived monster that can only be called a caiman. And um, after that, his life kind of spirals out of into darkness because he tries, he, he sees this creature that he thinks that is a monster, but the authorities, they see it as, 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 a, as, a, as a caiman, but he's trying to tell people that it's a monster and when he goes back home, his life just spirals out of control. You know, he's very depressed. He's very uh, facing, uh, he's going through a traumatic experience or reliving that traumatic experience daily because of what he witnessed his wife being murdered and he loses everything. And um, now he's back with his friend Diego and, Die and they're recording the events of him going back to the island. 
to go find this monster so he can kill it because he wants revenge. And that's what he wants the most. It's a revenge story. And and the reason we chose Puerto Rico is because we've never seen a found footage movie filmed in Puerto Rico. You know, we've never really seen someone travel during a found footage movie to a whole other country and just that experience and everything. And, you know, when I see a lot of found footage movies, they, they're not very character driven, they're more plot driven. While our film was more, it's, it's very character driven and it's a very intricate and very interesting plot as well. And it's just it's just a very great story, and it's about betrayals, about revenge, it's about um, so many things. And you know, it was mainly Charles who really me and Charles coming together, but Charles really steering the ship. It's like, hey man, like I know you hired me to do this, but we should, we, like, how do you like this idea? So when he pitched that to me, I just I fell in love with it, man. And then as the days went on, I fell more and more in love with it, and. That's that's how the project came along, and that's what the project is about. Dope, dope. I'm glad. Well, I'm I'm glad that uh, they introduced uh, the project to me. You know, we're looking forward to supporting. Uh, and and one of the things that I want to highlight in what you just mentioned, even beyond the creative decisions for those that are listening, there are two things that stood out to me, and I want you all listening to pay attention to this. Josh, you mentioned that you went with this horror thriller because there was demand. Yes. In other words, you did some market research to figure out what type of project uh, should you invest your time, energy, and money into because there was a demand for it. And I think a lot of times as creatives, we can get really caught up in our passion projects, which there's nothing wrong with that. But if we want to continue our career as professionals, we also have to supply what is being asked for. It doesn't mean that you can't do, it doesn't mean that you can't have a variety of projects in your portfolio, but I'm just keying in on the fact that you mentioned you did research about a demand and then you're creating for market. Opposed to saying, I've got this great idea, I'm going to make it and I hope somebody likes it. So you went about it in a very data-driven way. The other thing that I like you mentioned was that you're filling a gap. You said you hadn't seen uh, too many or any found footage projects that were filmed in Puerto Rico or projects that were character-driven. So you immediately see that your project is filling a gap. It's similar to other things, but it's different in its own way. And those are some elements that creators and entrepreneurs really need to look at when they're creating any product. Does this product um, solve a problem? Is there a demand? What makes it different? And now if you can answer those three questions, how does it apply to the thing that you want to do? So I just extracted that from what you just said, because I know we can always talk about the artistry and the creative side, but that's a business move. Those are business moves, you know, what you just communicated. And I think it's important to uh, to take note of those things. No, I agree with you, Troy. And actually, even I would say a couple months before me and Charles came together to make this, I was a PA on a set here in Los Angeles on a music video. And I had the opportunity to talk to the main producers of the of the music video. And He's a top independent producer in LA. He produces a lot of independent projects. He does this for a living. And he was, he just came in the room and he talked to me 
And I was like, hey, man, like, you want to pass along some advice or something? He was like, yeah, man, like, are you an actor? I was like, yeah, I'm an actor, yada, yada, yada. He's like, okay, this is what you want to do. He literally gave me a blueprint on what to do. He was like, the problem that a lot of people have when creating movies is that they try to make dramas or comedies. And the problem with dramas and comedies is that only big, only big names can be a part of those. You can't make a drama with all your with all your friends and expect it to sell. And that, that that's what he, he was just giving me like the the honest blunt truth. He's like, there's it's possible, but it's not very probable. He says if you make a thriller or a horror movie, and because he says those are the only original ideas that can um that that distribution companies will take on because you're selling more of the concept. And he says, and if you want to blend in drama or a comedy, you can do that. But he says, stick with horror, thriller, or sci-fi because that's what's going to sell the most. And he was telling me that if you look at a lot of movies on Kickstarters that are even on, on Seed and Spark and Indiegogo, a lot of them are dramas. And unfortunately, unless you have a big name attached to your project, no distribution company is going to touch that. So that was where the market research started. So once I did more research on it, it's like, okay, I need to make a... I didn't want to make like something slasher, you know what I mean? Because that's, I, I don't know, I think those are kind of corny. <laughs> but um, I think slashers had their time back in the 90s and early 2000s. But now people want to see movies like The Conjuring or Insidious or something that's a little bit more thriller with drama mixed into it, you know what I mean? So a little bit more story. So once I did my market research, that's when um, I approached Charles and that's what happened. And you, and you are right, Troy. As a creative, we should be able to just create. Um, we, we, we do have the liberty to create whatever, but if we want to prove to these big Hollywood studios that we can sell something, then, because at the end of the day, it is, they are very, very money driven. And I, I hate to be the one to say this, but if you can prove to these studios that you can sell something, then they're going to start paying more attention to you. That at least that's what that's what he told me, the independent producer, and that's what I'm learning as I do more research as well. Yeah, and we just call that commercial viability. You know, the, your project can sell. One of my mentors a while ago said, um, "We are all cogs in the wheel of commerce." So if you think about a wheel and the different cogs in that wheel, we play a role in keeping the wheel rolling right and that will is commerce and so that in other words something has to sell and everything that we do plays a role in ensuring that there's sales so having a name is a cog in that will right having a project that fills a void is a cog in that will having a certain quality of production keeps the will moving forward and so when you have that mindset you can always look at things from a creative standpoint but you can, also, you can also look at it from a business standpoint as well. And you say, okay, this is a great project, but it'll sell. And then you also look at your career as a whole. Is this a project that helps set me up for something else? Is this a project that connects me with individuals? I use an acronym called RAM, R-A-M, Revenue, Access, and Marketing. My goal is to always get all three, but if I can get two of them, then I'll entertain the, the opportunity. Does the project provide revenue? Does it give me access to something that I did not already have? And does it increase my ability to market? You know, a lot of times if you can get access to something new and expand your marketing capability, then you can generate revenue because you got the other two already. Access right. can mean to a name or a talent. You know, it's chicken and the egg. Do you have a talent? If you have a name, we can get you the money. 
the name says, well, do you have the money? Then I'll be a part of it. And you're like, okay, so which one comes first? But there's right. no one way, there's no one way to do it. There's no one path, but we all learn from all these different journeys. And so I just want to say thank you for joining us, telling us a bit about your journey and the project. You dropped some gems for those folks that are listening out here. Uh, congratulations on your project. And we're looking to push it and move you forward before we wrap. Please tell the people how they can stay in tune with what you have going on and how they can follow you and follow the project. Absolutely. Uh, for one, thank you for having me on, Troy. I really appreciate this opportunity. Very, very blessed to be here. And the best way to follow the project is we have a Cedar Spark campaign right now that is live, just called Cayman. Um, on that, on that scene in Spark, you see all you see our project, the breakdowns, and the different level of incentives for um, for donating to our project. So, and we also have an Instagram page called Cayman the Feature Film or Cayman Movie. That's also all the, all the links to our Instagram pages and social media will be on the on the uh, on the scene in Spark, and we also have a website as well that we're going to update regularly. And yeah, that's how you can keep in touch. And you can definitely follow our project on uh, Cedar Spark as well. So that's that's also a great benefit to that one. Yo, and tell everybody, what is that What is that website that you just mentioned? For the Oh, uh, caymanthemovie.com. All right. So you all listen. Go to caymanthemovie.com, and you'll have all of the links that can connect you to everything else. So, again, thanks for joining us today, uh, Josh. And for all you out there listening, Hopefully you got some gems you can apply to your journey and we'll keep rocking. All right, everybody. Peace from the cipher.